Glory to God. It's just wonderful to know that God is good and that we today can talk about what repentance really is and what salvation is. So many times we've mixed these things up. And today I want to just uh, explain a statement I've made earlier and that is that we don't repent from our sins in order to be saved from hell. And that's not what we do. We repent from a wrong belief in order to be saved from sin and death. And that is the understanding that the early church had and we're going to look at that. So many times we've, we've lived our Christian life in fear of committing something that's wrong and we thought that we should repent of our sins and if we could stop our sin and live a holy life, then one day we can go to heaven. Now that is not the gospel. It has never been the gospel. Although heaven can be a small part of a place where we can temporarily be, uh, I mean, until we see the, the return of Jesus Christ, it is not the gospel. The good news has never been, and we never find Jesus ever preach or the Apostle Paul ever preach, listen guys, I've got good news for you. If you stop your sin, Jesus has made it possible for you so that you can go to heaven. So stop your sin so that you can go to heaven. That was never the apostles' understanding. It was never the understanding of any of the apostles. Paul preached a different message, a different gospel. And the good news that they preached was the good news of how God has conquered the power of sin over man and how man that was in bondage of sin and death could now be free from sin and death and that they could be saved from that sin death when they repent of what they believe. That is what it is all about. And that repentance was made possible by Jesus Christ. He granted repentance in that He brought forth a truth that we could believe on now. Now that is might sound like uh, some very good news for those of you that are used to what we teach here. For those of you that are watching this for the very first time, you might say, Bertie, what are you meaning? It's like the one guy said to me on social media, he said, Bertie, you know, you just um, sugarcoat the gospel, just make it sweet and too lovely. And I just said to him, you know, I get tired of uh, having the message of the love of God and how good God is degraded by calling it sugarcoating. There's no sugarcoating here. It is just the simple love of God, the goodness of God, and we're not going to humiliate ourselves and humiliate, try and humiliate God or the message of grace by saying it is just a sugarcoated kind of a message. It's not a sugarcoating. It is the truth. And if the goodness of God upsets you, you've, you are in for a, a long time of being upset because God is good and He is only good and it's never going to change. Amen. Now, the first time the word repent was mentioned in the Bible was in Exodus 13 verse 17. Now I want to read it to you. And just from this Hebrew, this passage here, you already start to see what the meaning of repent is. The word repent is used in Exodus 13, 17 as follows. It says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, 
For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. Do you see that you can actually repent from freedom? Repentance here actually means to turn back. That's actually what it means. To, to think differently, to look at some facts in front of you, and to come to a conclusion where you actually would find consolation and comfort in going in a different direction. That is what it actually means. We have taken the word repent and we've connected that towards sins or wrong deeds instead of an ideology or a logic. And now we try to get rid of things that we can never get rid of by our own power. I want to say this again. You can actually not repent from sins because if you could repent from sin, why would you need a Savior that saves you from sin? Isn't Jesus the Savior? Isn't He the one that comes and saves man from their sins? Isn't He the one that came to bring victory over sin and death? So if we could repent from our sin, why do we need Jesus in, um, in getting rid of sin? Why would we need the blood of Jesus to wash away our sin if we could only simply repent from our sin. And then thinking and having a, a wrong message, thinking that the blood of Jesus actually opened the door in heaven so that we can leave the earth and go and live in heaven. That is absolutely not the gospel. The gospel is the message of how the kingdom of God is now manifesting in the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit and wherein what Jesus said to Mary when he was carrying the cross, he said, Behold, I make all things new. And in that all things, he didn't exclude our human bodies, didn't exclude the earth, didn't exclude any of those things. He came to make all things new and original and manifest the life of God in all things, not by us trying to manifest the kingdom, but by him manifesting it in us. Glory to God. Now, the word uh, for, the, the Hebrew word for repent there means to be sorry, to console oneself, to repent, to regret, and then two interesting words there, to comfort or be comforted. That's what it means. So it says to be sorry. Now we can say, well, you see, that's where repentance comes in. It means you need to be sorry. And if you're not sorry about the sins you've committed, then again, if, if you do that, you're now showing your sorrow and your repentance towards your sins and not towards a certain belief. And then you're saying, well, if I just feel sorry enough for my sin, then I can go to heaven. No. Uh, salvation is, the, is, is ascribed to how God comes and sets man free from sin. So it's not about Repentance has got nothing to do with you leaving your sin. And we see it here. One of the things here, two, two of the words which is very beautiful is comfort or to be comforted. So God said actually, and let's read Exodus 13, 17 from that perspective. It says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God let them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, because these were warriors. Although that was near, so God, didn't, God wasn't afraid of the Philistines anyway. 
He knew that they could go through there, but then God, in his loving compassion, considered the weakness of their unbelief. And then what he did was, he came and he, he said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take them through another way that can help them. And this is what he says, he says, although it was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see the war, or lest peradventure the people find comfort or be comforted in going back. So what, is, what are the meanings of repentance here? He's actually talking about following that which is easy and good. So when we repent, or when what God said here, is that, that he was scared that the Israelites would repent or actually find consolation, find comfort or be comforted with the idea of going back to, uh, to Egypt where they feel it's safer for themselves, where they feel there they will at least have food, they're not going to die, they're going to be protected. You must remember, in Egypt they did have slavery, but they also had food. And to a certain uh, degree, they, they weren't the warriors, they weren't the soldiers and those kind of things. The Egyptians were the soldiers and the army was made out of them. These people built these temples and they were the slaves. <coughs> Excuse me. And while being slaves, they enjoyed the safety that the Egyptian army could bring. So they were kept safe to a certain degree. So what he says here is God says, I don't want to lead them via the way of the Philistines because if I do that, they might be afraid and look for safety and protection from Egypt. And I don't want that. So repentance is actually then when you say, well, um, I'm sorry that I've gone this way. I want to go another way which is safer for me. Now with that in mind, we can also look at the Greek word for repent. The Greek word for repent means metanoia, which means a change of mind, where the word mind means a mental faculty. And if I must just use my own words, it is to have a change of thought factory. That's how I see it. To have a change of thought factory. To have that which produces your thoughts and produces your way of thinking to have that changed. In other words, if we co combine these two words, if we combine the Greek and the Hebrew here, we will say to have your mind changed and finding your safety in turning back to the original plan that God had for man, which was in the garden where Adam was innocent, where Adam wasn't full of sin, where Adam was a man before God, wherein God is the one who provides everything, gives everything, and cares for, um, for man. Glory to God. Now, I just want to hear, is everything okay there? Okay. Uh, right, so <clears throat> what repent here is, is a change of mind, a change of logic. That's what it's all about. It's a change of logic. So when God comes and in Jesus Christ and in John the Baptist, if he preached repentance, what he's actually saying is, be comforted in turning in another way, for the kingdom of God is now at hand. You are not under the kingdom of the enemy anymore. 
the kingdom of God is now here. Now, this repentance was very difficult for the Jews to make because they felt that they could not repent from their belief because they believed that the Messiah would come and that the Messiah would then end the rule that Gentiles had over the Jews. And that Messiah would come and end the oppression of the Jewish nation. So now Jesus comes and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And these people don't know what he's talking about because they are saying, um, I mean, they're still seeing Rome oppressing them. They're still seeing all these kind of things. They see no Messiah. They don't know what's going on. And John the Baptist says, you know, he sent a message to Jesus. Is this you or should we wait for another? And then Jesus comes and he declares what the signs of the coming of the kingdom is. He says the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And he says that is the signs of the kingdom. This is the Messiah. The kingdom is not shown in how God overcomes Gentiles and allow Jews to have the rule over other people, but the kingdom of God is actually in God taking uh, possession of and overpowering the power of sin and death. And now these people had to repent of thinking that the kingdom was to come in the way that they thought it was going to come as Jews, but that they had to now believe the gospel. That is what repentance is all about. It's got nothing to do with leaving your sins. And now let us read uh, Matthew 3 verse 1. It says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, uh, I haven't put everything in here, but John the Baptist, when he preached the kingdom of God is at hand, there were certain things that he said. He said the axe is at the root of the tree. And what he was meaning by that was that God was chopping out the family tree of the Jewish system wherein they found their roots in Abraham and in the fact that they were Jewish people and that this whole system that the, the Jewish nation and everything about the Jews that you had to be circumcised in the flesh and so forth. He says, I've come to cut that tree out because that tree cannot bear any fruit. And I want you to repent. I want you to realize that you are not saved by ethnicity. Now, church, you might say, Bertie, you are anti-Semitic. You are anti-Jewish people. I am not. I am not. I want to say this. If you continue in your old way of preaching to Jewish people that they are special people because of their flesh, you don't love the Jews because they cannot be saved by being circumcised in their flesh. They cannot be saved by, by obeying the law. They cannot be saved by loving the Torah and trying to be saved by the works of the law and the keeping of feasts and new moons and Sabbaths and those kind of things. Paul actually says that if you do that, you've fallen from grace. doesn't mean that God is not gracious to you. It just means that <clears throat> you are now under the influence of your own ability and not standing under the influence of God anymore. So please know that I'm not against Jewish people. But 
It might sound as if I'm against Jewish people because I'm saying that Jews aren't saved by their ethnicity, but they are saved by Jesus Christ and the mercy and the grace of God, wherein the, their ethnicity means nothing to God, but the fact that they are humans means everything to God and that He wants to save them knowing that Jews don't have the ability to keep the law. Therefore He comes and He wants them to repent. He wants the Gentiles to repent of thinking that they are not part of the people of God because they are not circumcised. The whole repentance message in the New Testament what had everything to do with a new kingdom, a new way of doing and the ending of the law system. It has everything to do with having a new identity, a new platform from where you see who you are and who people are. That is what repentance has got everything to do with. And here he comes and he says to them that they must repent. And remember, John the Baptist preached repentance to the Jews. And he said to them, you boast in your flesh, but know that God can from these stones raise up children unto Abraham, and you cannot find your salvation in being a child of Abraham. And he actually brought repentance saying, we have to redefine what a child of Abraham actually is. And that is also what the Apostle Paul did in his writings in Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, and so forth. He came and completely redefined what the children of, and who the children of Abraham actually was. And he came and he pointed to Jesus as the seed of Abraham and whosoever are in Christ as the family or of whom Abraham would be the father of faith then. So I don't want to get too deep into that, but here we find John the Baptist comes and he preaches repentance and he says to the people, repent of thinking that ethnicity means something. So it is, change your belief, change your mindset. Imagine now the Jews had to repent of thinking that circumcision means anything. Thinking of the fact they are Jews mean anything and they had to come and stand before God and say our own ability cannot, we see our shortcomings and we are now actually changing our mind and we're saying we don't need a Messiah to save us from Gentile oppression but we need a Messiah to save us from sin. That would be repentance. Amen. Glory to God. They weren't repenting from their sins. They, were, they had to repent from their wrong belief. Then Matthew uh, 3, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the, repent, preaching in the wilderness, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus came and just backed this up. He said in Matthew 4, 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That is now Mark 1.15. Listen to what he says here. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or near or here. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So can you see that Jesus comes and he connects repentance to a new belief. Repent and believe this. Stop to do the law thing and believe now that the kingdom of God is at hand. With these Jews, it was so difficult for them to believe that because in their eyes, they're not seeing a Messiah. They're not seeing a Messiah. 
That's why in John 8, it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then if you read John 8 there, he actually says to them, he who commits sin is a slave of sin. And you think that you're a slave of the Gentiles. You think you're a slave of Rome. You're not a slave of Rome. You are, as much as the Romans, a slave of sin. So repent, have a new belief. Don't try and uh, uh, continue through this old system. Repent from believing that old thing. I am the Messiah to come and set you free from your sin and your death. Right, then uh, Luke 13. This is a powerful passage and I hope that you guys understand this. And he says in verse uh, 13, verse 2, because it actually needs more explanation than what I'm going to give here, but let's try it. It says, And Jesus answering and said unto them, Suppose ye that those um, Galileans were sinners above all the Gentiles because they suffered such things. And now this is actually talking about how, um, I think it was, let, let me, I didn't copy the right verse here, but I'm quickly going to just read verse 1. This is Luke 13, verse 1. Let me just get that quickly. It says here, it says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So what happened here, there were Galileans that had their blood mingled with sacrifices and Pilate did that. So what he did was, and what I take from this is they had Galileans killed and then took their blood and when they offered it to their gods, mixed it in with their sacrifices and in their temples and everything. And it was a horrible thing for, for, for these people. And they told Jesus about this. And then Jesus says, suppose ye that the Galileans were sinners above all in Galil all Galileans because they suffered such things? So, so are you thinking that they, this happened to them because of their bad works? He says, is that what you're thinking? Is that what you think? He says, I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Now my goodness, they didn't have any sin. They saw that they, in their minds, that they were the Jews. They were the people loved by God. Um, they were they're having the Torah, they're following the law. And now they're thinking in their mindset, if you break the law, then you're going to be cursed. And now, he says, these people in Galatia, they were actually the worst people of all the Gentiles, and that is why this happened to them. And he says, listen, that is, that's what you think. I want to tell you something else. You still need to repent. You've got something you need to be repent of. You that boast in the law, you that boast in your works, you've got something to repent of. He says, and if you don't do it, you will perish like them. Now I'm going to explain that to you. Verse 4, and those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think you they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Now he comes to the, he says, well, we, we think that that bad thing happened to those in those Gentiles, because they were Gentiles and the worst of Gentiles. And then in Jerusalem, there was a tower that fell on some Jewish people. And it says, now do you think it's because they were the worst sinners amongst the Jews? See your mindset. They've done this wrong and now God punishes them. That's the mindset there. It says, I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall likewise 
and he talks about a certain man that had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none, cut it down. Why does it cumbereth the ground? And he answering said unto him, Let Lord it alone this year till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that you shall cut it down. So what is, what is he talking about here? He's, he's talking to the Jewish people and he's saying to them, listen guys, repentance is and has everything to do with what you believe. You, you think that the tower fell on those people and others were killed by Herod because they were bad sinners. But I want to tell you, as they perish, you also that keep the law and live holy according to the law will have to repent. And Jesus defined repentance. And the repentance was that they had to repent from a system that cannot bring forth fruit in them. And then he likens it to a fig tree and he likens it again to the Jewish nation. And he said, while he was on the earth, he was seeking fruit. And then the last year he was on the earth, he was finding none. And then in his death and in his resurrection, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. And he was the faithful Israelite and fulfilled everything the Jews had to do. And in his resurrection, the end came wherein the nation of the Jews are the light on the, of the world. And now we as believers who had the Holy Spirit, we became the light of the world. We are now shining forth the light and Christ in us is shining forth the light of the love of God towards people. So now, repentance here is defined clearly by Jesus as repenting from a different belief. Something that cannot bring forth fruit. Remember he says that this, this man had, um, it says here, a certain man had a fig tree planted. You know the fig tree is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil because Adam and Eve clothed themselves with the fig leaves. So he says this fig tree was planted, likened again to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and this fig tree didn't bear fruit. You remember Jesus when he came to the fig tree and he wanted fruit and there was no fruit on it, then he cursed it and he says, never again shall any man eat of you. And then they wondered why the fig tree withered so quickly and then Jesus said, if you have the faith of God or if you are of the persuasion that God is of, you will only do what was done to the fig tree, but you will say to this mountain, what mountain? The temple mount where the temple was on. You'll say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it shall obey you. So what it's actually saying is, if you are of the true persuasion of God, if you repent and believe the gospel, the fruitlessness will end in your life and you will not find your identity anymore in the law and, and works. That's what he is saying there. So that is what repentance is all about, is to have a new mental faculty, to have a new way of thinking, and to turn back and find comfort and consolation in the original plan that God had manifested now in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we'll have to <coughs> draw this to an end. Now let's go on, and I'm going to read uh, from uh, Acts 2.38. This is now New Testament, if you want to call it like that. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what is he talking about here? He says, be baptized for the remission of sins. Now that can mean two things. It can mean on account of Jesus that carried your sins. And it also doesn't exclude the manifestation of being set free from sin. So what he's saying here, he doesn't say, repent from your sin. It's not what he's saying. He says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. In other words, become a disciple of this gospel. That's what baptized would mean there. And what would be understood by the people that heard baptized here. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what they understood by the name of Jesus is simply, His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. So He says, and that we can read in Matthew 1 verse 21. I'm going to read that to you. And He said, bring, uh, um, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. So why would Jesus be called Jesus? What does the name Jesus mean? To be saved from sin. He saves his people from their sin. So it says there, And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the one that will save you from your sin for the remission of your sin doesn't mean that God will not theoretically look at you as guilty anymore. I don't think God has theoretically looked at us as guilty ever. The problem that we had is we had an experiential knowledge of not partaking in the very life of God. And to God that means we are not co-sharers in His life. Experientially we're not having life and He wants to end that and manifest a brand new life in us. That's what it's all about. So now he comes here, Peter says, repent, in other words, he says to the Jews, he says, you crucified Jesus, you believed in a, and that's in, in Acts 2 he said that, he says, you crucified the Messiah, you killed him, you did all those things, so I want you to repent now of what you believe, because you believed a certain thing, wherein you said, this man is an enemy of what we believe, Change your belief and be then, become then a disciple and then be baptized in the name or in He is the one that will redeem you and save you from your sin. He never said repent from your sins, stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing that. No, He said repent from your belief and He, Jesus, will save you from your sin or save you from the fruit of the flesh. That's what it means. And then verse, uh, verse 19, it says, Repent ye, this is Acts 3.19, listen to how beautiful this is. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now what does that mean? It doesn't mean that unless you've repented, God sees you as a sinner. It doesn't mean that. God has always seen you as His beloved, the child that is been made for and holy unto the dream that he's had from the beginning and now he's come and he's broken the power of sin and death and now when we repent here and we are converted that word converted actually means there to be baptized as well or to become a disciple of the teaching and the doctrine that I don't get rid of my own sins 
but God by the resurrection power when we simply rely upon Him, He does the work. And we can love and have the fruit of the Spirit and be set free from things we thought we could never be set free from. And then in the end, even be set free from physical death wherein we will see immortality manifest in the human body. And, and we know that will be in the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, it says, <clears throat> it says, let me read this, Repent ye and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When? When will the sins be blotted out? When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what he says here is, he says here, if we connect Acts 3.19 with Acts 2.38, he says, Repent and be baptized or be converted in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Meaning, if you say, I become a disciple of Jesus, I repent from the wrong belief and I turn back and find consolation in not me getting rid of my own sins, but in God without my own willpower and without my effort wherein He comes and brings forth a brand new life in me effortlessly where He ends it, then you will receive the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will bring it forth. Amen. That's what he is saying here. <clears throat> it says, in other words, that our sins will be blotted out. Blotting out in the Old Testament was a way of saying to die or to be killed or to be destroyed. So what he says here, he says, and you should, uh, he says, repent therefore and be converted. In other words, become a disciple of the message that you don't have to repent from sins but that God ends sins in you by His doing, not your doing. It says, and then your sins shall be blotted out or die. Glory to God. Amen. It's beautiful for me to think that Jesus didn't die for sin so that God could look at me as beautiful. He's always, always seen me as beautiful, but Jesus actually died and rose again so that I can have the quality of life God has. Hallelujah. And then verse 21, last verse here. It says, and she shall bring forth a son. I've read this. I want to read it again. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. So you don't repent from your sin. You get saved from your sin. You repent from, and the context here was the belief of Jew, Gentile, ethnicity, seeing yourself as part of the kingdom of God through the law and circumcision. And the Gentiles had to repent from what they from what they believe on how they would access life by sacrificing to their false gods, they also had to repent from thinking that they are outsiders by looking at the law saying we are outsiders and wish we could be insiders and then repent and, uh, 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 and be circumcised and try and obey the law and all those things. They had to repent of all of that. The Jews had to repent, the Gentiles had to repent and as they repented and saw that... Um, all of humanity had a common enemy and that was man trying to find life by his works and that on account of the deception that came through Satan. When, the, when you can realize that and you can see Jesus conquered that and find true, your true identity in the resurrected Jesus, which I cannot speak about now, I don't have time for that, then you will find when you call upon that and believe upon that, become a disciple of that, 
that Jesus by the resurrection power, that God by the resurrection power in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit blots out your sin and you find effortless new life. Ending in holy immortality, which is not a departed spirit living in heaven, but actually where God so conquers sin in the physical that he even conquers death in the physical, and that is what Jesus proved in his resurrection. Amen. I don't know why it's not a, a loved teaching today, but I will tell you it remains a truth. Glory to God. Salvation means to deliver, to rescue, or to keep safe, to deliver. So, you are delivered from your sins. You don't repent from your sins. You need Jesus to get rid of sin. You can't repent from sin. You repent from a wrong belief. And then when you've repented from a wrong belief, then you are delivered from sin, which means not to be a partaker of the very life of God. And God, by the Holy Spirit, makes you a partaker and you start to feel what it feels like to love and have peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit in your life, to be generous and kind and all those things, not by you repenting from stinginess, not by you repenting from those things, but by you believing why Jesus died, why he was raised up, and you now making your members available for only that. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we've come to the end of this teaching, and I would just like to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you so much that I could just teach this today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I want to pray for everybody that's watching. Thank you, Lord, that you just give to all of us an enlightened mind, an encouraged heart, that we will not be afraid to talk about fruit, that we will not be afraid to have our members available to the manifestation of the fullness of what you've come to give us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that I can pray for people right now. I thank you, Lord, that as I stretch forth my hands in the name of Jesus, I declare that the sick people are healed, that signs and wonders manifest because of your kingdom and your resurrection power. I declare them healed in Jesus' name. Uh, people that has got all kinds of sickness being be healed in Jesus' mighty name. I also thank you, Lord, that an enlightened mind grabs a hold of people. They are enlightened by this good news and set free from what bound them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I want to thank you so much for watching, and I trust that you've been really blessed by this message today. Please uh, write something in, if you've watched this, vis uh, this video, we would like to hear from you. Write us something in, in, uh, just on our email address on our website or in the comment section. We really appreciate that, just to see uh, what questions you have and what this has meant to you. God bless.